It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Dolphins. It is power to the pod today, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching, and today on the show, we have a ton of iTunes reviews. We have a ton of Twitter questions, so I want to try my absolute best to dig right in, jump through as many of these as we possibly can, get as much ground as covered as possible. Uh, The first one comes from Mike305. Love the show. Great job. Thank you. Since Rosen is gone and Fitzpatrick looks like this is his last year, what do you see the Dolphins doing for a backup quarterback? Drafting one or getting one in free agency? It's a good question. I'm not... I... There's a part of me that thinks like this might not be it for Fitz. He seems like he's having so much fun and starting has never really been like the be-all, end-all for Fitz. So maybe there's like a one-year bridge deal for Ryan for next year for 2021. I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility. Um, But if they were to let Fitz walk, I think you would see them probably try to secure somebody with some experience in the league to work behind Tua. You know, if, if you wanted to strictly hold on to the players that had the most value to you, and your organization, you probably wouldn't have cut Josh um, because Josh is young, but Josh doesn't have a lot of value if Fitz is out of the picture from the Dolphins' perspective based on what we know now because he doesn't have experience. And they think about Chan Gailey bringing in Chan Gailey to run a spread offense. I don't know, maybe somebody like Case Keenum. That kind of player right? Uh, Some veteran. He's been around. He's played a little bit of football. That same kind of free-wielding style about him. I think that's probably the avenue you'll see the Dolphins take. I'd be really surprised if they went with Tua and another rookie in the quarterback room next year. Uh, Next question from The85. After the first two games, it looks like we may have overrated the team a little bit. Are you worried at all about Flores or Greer being fired if the team disappoints this season? Um, no, not really. And obviously, this was submitted on September 21st. So it came ahead of uh, the Dolphins' win on Thursday night. But even if the Dolphins come up short, this is an angle that I've spoken about on the show as far as like having patience with builds and 
obviously after the Buffalo loss, I was pretty frustrated. There were a lot of people that were frustrated. Uh, That was a game that the script went exactly how we would have hoped it would have gone, and the Dolphins didn't close the deal. There was some poor play in the back end, and the final five minutes of the football game, Buffalo scores two touchdowns, ends up winning by three points. Um, But no, obviously the the Miami development in Jacksonville on Thursday night uh, has a nice springboard opportunity for the Dolphins, and even if the Dolphins come out and lose to Seattle, which based on the way Russell Wilson's playing, it looks probable like the next three games for Miami after that was San Francisco, Denver, and the Chargers. It softened up significantly based on injuries. And I'm going to knock on wood here because the Dolphins are relatively healthy versus a lot of those teams. Um, but even if the Dolphins still finish this season at 5-11 and 11 again, uh, Bill Walsh was had nine wins in his first two seasons in San Francisco before establishing what would go on to be a dynasty. Like Miami's toxic culture, I think has definitely played a hand in um, this rebuild having to be as drastic as it is. They've been chasing the wrong kind of head coaching candidates for a while. So uh, I definitely think that even if we hit the end of the season and we're five and 11, I think as long as there are, player development advances that we can point to once kind of that initial frustration blows over and bubbles over, we'll be in good shape. Bad. I like this podcast a lot, but it needs a better host. Hey, man. First of all, that's not a question. And second of all, it wasn't five stars. (laughs) I did notice that there was was some polarizing reaction to the Buffalo reaction podcast when the Dolphins lost to Buffalo. And that's okay. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have all the answers. And realistically, you know, I'm probably just like everybody out there in the world. I'm probably not going to be for everybody. Uh, But I would like to do is keep this experience with all of you from my eyes as an evaluator, as somebody who has grown up rooting for this team and still roots for the success of this team. I want to keep it real with you guys based on, on my experiences with the team. Uh, but obviously, you know, we recalibrated after Buffalo loss. The Dolphins as a team recalibrated. And much like you know, me scrolling past that negative comment, we're going to leave it behind us. We're going to move forward. We're going to put our best foot forward to bring the best possible show today. Which brings us to Dan's The Man 13 question. Pumped about the Jacksonville win, but I also couldn't keep help but keep an eye out for wide receiver prospects on Saturday. Jalen Waddle would look pretty good in Aqua. Yes, I agree with you. Jalen Waddle from Alabama, one of two his targets at Alabama for two seasons. Uh, he's a true junior this year, Waddle is, and he started the season really good. I believe he had seven catches, 135 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the knock on Waddle was he was fourth in the pecking order for Alabama last year behind Ruggs as the speed guy, Judy as the route runner, Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith is back. I think Waddle is really going to have a chance to improve his stock. And if he performs every game the way he performed this last game against Missouri, uh, feel pretty comfortable about him forecasting as a wide receiver too. Now, is he as polished of a route runner as what Devonta Smith is at Alabama. No. 
But he also has a trump card, which is something that I don't see a lot of from Devonta Smith, other than being a really good route runner, but he's not big, he's not physical, he's not super fast, he's going to run probably 4-5. So you have a guy that doesn't have length, doesn't have size, doesn't have speed. You're just a route technician. I really think that narrows your... You got to really thread the needle to go on to become a really successful football player and live up to a top 15, top 20 billing as a wide receiver. Waddle, at the very least, has speed as a trump card. He looked very dynamic in space, and that's kind of the component of this Dolphins offense that as we look to continue to forecast and project them forward, not really sure how much of that we have on the roster in the here and now. Obviously, we'll get a chance to see Lynn Bowden Jr., get a chance at, at seeing it, how well he's able to pull himself along throughout the course of his rookie season. But even if he performs well, I would say, you know, let's not let a good player prevent us from taking a great player. I think Jalen Waddle has the potential to be a great wide receiver, especially in this offense where they're going to need athletes with the ball in their hands. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality online service for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control models, new brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Nice little natural segue here to Twitter questions. Got over 30 of them. So, as I said, we're going to cover as much ground as we can. If we don't get to your Twitter questions specifically, take a peek over at uh, dolphinswire.usatoday.com, which I'm the managing editor which I like to take some of your topics that need a little bit more depth than what I can provide in a rapid-fire setting and give them some love over there. So if you miss it, if you miss it here, maybe it's over at Dolphins Bar. Uh, Randy, with the first question, I think most of us fans have exhaled when it comes to the offensive line, but do you see Robert Hunt getting a crack at the starting lineup this year? I believe we've seen him as the sixth man in heavy sets, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, you are correct. Robert Hunt has come in on a handful of occasions in goal line packages and short yardage distance as the third offensive tackle slash heavy tight end. And he's looked really good in run blocking. 
So I think if Kinley continues to be stable at right guard, I think towards the back half of the year, if the Dolphins continue to struggle with running the football, they may look to shuffle that deck a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesse Davis ends up starting the entire year, which I don't love because as I continue to watch and chart the Dolphins' offense, it's apparent uh, that Jesse has some limitations that aren't just ever going to, we're just not going to get over those hills with Jesse as a player. And he's a perfectly rosterable NFL offensive line. His value as a swing player to play four spots on the line is very valuable to the Dolphins because you got a utility player that can get plugged in almost anywhere on the line. But he's your perfect sixth offensive lineman, and we got him inside the starting five. I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't rule out seeing Robert Hunt, but at this point I would be surprised just because of so much of the youth. Now we get towards the final back half of the season, and some of these rookies have settled into their roles even more than what we've seen through three games. Yeah, you know, maybe then we'll we'll have an opportunity to see Robert Hunt out there, and based on what we've seen in the short yardage packages, he'd be a really good addition to the run game. Ian wants to know if we have the right stuff to beat the Seahawks. Always locked in. Thanks for staying locked in here on Locked on Dolphins, of course. Um, Yes, I think there is definitely a formula for Miami to beat Seattle. That formula is centered largely around physical corners uh, who can A, disrupt Tyler Lockett at the line of scrimmage, and B, cannot get bullied by DK Metcalf down the field at the catch point. Uh, The Seattle offensive line is not overly imposing. Neither is their defensive line. The Dolphins offense the last two games has moved the ball as well as we've seen in recent history and going against a very porous Seattle defense. I think there's enough variables here where if Seattle comes in a little lax and Miami at home can kind of put themselves in that same script of... Fourth quarter, closely contested football game, which I expect we'll see because Seattle's played a bunch of close football games already. There is an in situation that we could see Miami have the ball last and go down the field and score and win. Or maybe you force Russell Wilson to make a mistake, which I don't think he's thrown any. I don't think, he, I don't think he's been credited with a single turnover-worthy play through three games. It's not impossible. Yes, the Dolphins have the stuff to win this football game. Tom, assuming we're looking to upgrade the offensive line, I know some guys at center, but can you give us some right tackle prospects to keep an eye on? Yes, but also no. Um, I don't want to dangle the carrot too far away from Robert Hunt until we see what we got there, right? But if, if you're looking for if Robert Hunt's going to ultimately kick inside play guard and you're going to have Kinley and Hunt be your long-term guards, obviously Flowers is here on a three-year deal in year one of that now. You could see Daniel Falele uh, from Minnesota. He's six foot eight, 400 pounds and moves really, really well. I uh, definitely think he would fit the density profile the Dolphins like. Uh, Jalen Mayfield from University of Michigan. Potential first-round guy if he plays well. He was going to be a fringe guy before the um, before the Big Ten opted back in, but I think now that he's going to play, he's going to have a good chance to showcase himself. Obviously, Alex Leatherwood having guard tackle availability 
and also play, having played at Alabama, I think is going to be a big value to him as well. So those would be a couple of the names that I would point to, Tom. Adrian, what are your opinions of the offensive line play so far? Do we invest highly in the offensive line in next year's draft? Uh, I think we need an upgrade at center uh, based off of the three games uh, that I've notated and watched through and studied and charted the plays. Ted Karras is a, again, like Jesse Davis, a perfectly serviceable NFL offensive lineman. But a lot of the lack of consistency in the run game, we're not getting consistent seals in the middle. And um, we're not getting off of our double teams in a timely manner. You'll see the Dolphins right now. They're trying to run a lot of doubles on both defensive tackles, whether it's a duo or inside zone. or And they just can't climb and get off on the linebackers. And, and I think improving Ted by securing a true like stalwart player there could be very, very helpful for the Dolphins to anchor that entire offensive line. Because if you're going to try and run, right, and you're running out of the shotgun, or you're running out of no additional attachments to the offensive line. So you're running with a five-man surface in the box. You have to have to get every single gap from tackle to tackle. You cannot afford on a five-man blocking surface against six defenders to not win every single one-on-one. And right now, they're just not winning their one-on-ones consistently. We were actually real close to seeing Jordan Howard, of all people, against Week 2 in Buffalo. Uh, Miami tried to, they motioned Durham Smythe across the set from left to right, and he was off the line of scrimmage, and the Dolphins looked to run him back after the snap across the line, block the end man on the line of scrimmage, and everybody on the line was stepping right. So you've got everybody steps right for zone. The tight end effectively serves the role of what a fullback would, comes across the grain and inserts into the blocking surface on the backside. He runs into Jesse Davis on the play. Had he not run into Jesse Davis on the play, Jordan had as good of a gap as I've seen this offense create in three weeks right there, and he could have hit it with a full head of steam, and he probably would have popped a big run. But like little, simple, angular, and I think that's why we got a lot of questions about Miles Gaskin today. I think that's a big reason why Miles is the guy who's taking so much of the snaps is... The Dolphins, being quite frank, need all the advantages they can get in the run game right now. Um, Miles is the most versatile back, so he's in there on passing downs, he's in there on running downs, he's in there to pass block. He can run inside, he can run outside. He's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And when you are looking to avoid tipping other hands to your teams, like if the Dolphins could go five across the line and dominate their one-on-ones, then yeah you'd probably see a little bit more of the physical grinder Jordan Howard, but we're not dominating those reps. So therefore, the Dolphins have to bring a player onto the field as often as possible that's going to force the defense to account for run and pass alike. Uh, But to answer the question about the offensive line and assessment, I think Flowers has been fine. I think Austin Jackson has been good in pass pro. I think there's room for improvement in the run game. He falls off his blocks. Solomon Kinley has been very sturdy. 
He's not the most mobile guy, so when they tried to run the little tunnel bubble screen in week two, he didn't hit his landmark, and that's because he's a big dude. He's not going to get out on the second level with a lot of success. So you've either got to reduce that split of that wide receiver, or you got to get Solomon a little bit quicker on his horse. But again, these are all little things, and I've already talked about Jesse Davis and Ted Karras. There's plenty of improvement here. There's also plenty of improvement that needs to be had for the Dolphins to get to the point in which they're going to be able to run their offense in its full entirety the way that they're going to want to. Daniel, Chan better have some gimmicks and trick plays up his sleeve. Key to this game is keep Russell off the field. We need to sustain rives. Daniel goes on to, to express, you know, kind of the waterfall effect of, of playing ball control. But I don't necessarily think that that ball control game plan has to come from running the ball. And based on the Dolphins' ineffectiveness to run the ball consistently, look at the second half of the Jacksonville game in which we saw some fans were critical of the Dolphins kind of shelling up in a game that was in hand. Uh, but they were trying to get reps for their offensive linemen to be able to block. And um, hopefully they get some adjustments off of tape. They make some of those small tweaks as far as alignment off of that. And um, you know, hopefully they can be a better running team as a result of all of the running reps that they tried to get in the second half of week three. But I think your ball control, you've got a better opportunity against Seattle to take voids in zone coverage. Fitz, you know, and this is the risk of Fitz. You saw... And we've talked earlier in the season about the the increased passing volume forces you to bat at a higher batting average in order to consistently move the ball and not have turnovers in play. Well, Fitz, for the last two games, he's bat at a fairly high average in taking voids and zone coverages and taking singles and doubles instead of trying to hit a bunch of home runs and push the ball down the field like we saw Patrick Mahomes do last night on Monday Night Football. This Dolphins, isn't, Dolphins offense isn't engineered to operate that way. So credit to Fitz for how well he's played the last six quarters, especially. Um, I think that's where your opportunity to move the ball with consistency lies. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And this thing is a home run. So if you guys are looking for uh, something that's keto-friendly, you're looking for a delicious snack, you're looking for something after a workout, Built Bar has something for everyone. Built Bar has up to 20 grams of protein per bar, less than 200 calories per bar, one-seventh grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. And like I said, these things are delicious. And right now, Locked On listeners can use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com and save $10 off their next order of Built Bar. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, find out what all the fuss is about today. Save yourself 10 bucks with promo code LOCKEDON. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Dave wants to know if the defensive move to more zone coverage will be a permanent one or take it on a week-by-week basis. Uh, I think it would benefit the Dolphins to not be so strictly devout in one-on-one coverage. Um, I think they need to figure out their pass rush packages, and and obviously there were some steps in the right direction in week three on that front. Kyle Van Noy played a very good game for Miami. Uh, He was very effective as a blitzer and a pressure player. I think if the Dolphins can get that pressure situation, whether that's more twist and stunt game inside or, you know, bringing an additional body, whatever that has to look like for the Dolphins to generate pressure, I think that has to to happen before you can just sit back and play straight, man. So situationally, yes, I think this team in in its preferred identity would still love to very much play in your face. But I think if you give them enough change-ups throughout the course, and I'm not even saying 50-50, you know, but get out, get out of 75% man coverage. Get to more of a, a, a 60-40 split. And then that way that can still play to your true strengths as a team. But if you got third and 18, you know, let's play soft, right? We don't need to play up on guys and give a chance for somebody to get slipped and get behind somebody. Think about a lot of the the over routes that Buffalo converted. More opportunities to have guys dropping and sink into those. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I think there will be some give and take on that front. Uh, But I do think you'll see more zone than what they tried to run the first two games. Jacob wants to know, is there a real possibility that even when spending major resources in the secondary that the offensive line will end the year as the strongest position group on the team. Man, I hope so. I'd love that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Kind of like have like a piece about the offensive line. I think you can feel really good about the nucleus of the line, but I don't necessarily think we'll see it get to the point where the line is unquestionably the best unit on the team. Uh, because you you do have two players in Ted Karras and Jesse Davis that I think you would probably be well-served to get long-term replacements for. One of those might be on the roster with Robert Hunt. But um, this has a chance to, to really gel for the Dolphins, especially from a pass protection perspective. And as we've mentioned on the show in the past, uh, you take into account the, the passing style for the Dolphins and how quickly that ball gets out of the quarterback's hands. And then you can really feel good about a quarterback not getting beat up. And as you're thinking about a segue to Tua, go look at what Joe Burrow looked like in Cincinnati last week. And go look at what Justin Herbert looked like for the Chargers last week. Both of those teams really struggling with offensive line play to keep their quarterback clean. And uh, Joe Burrow got the tar knocked out of him. It was, re- it was pretty, uh, pretty eye-opening to see him get knocked around. And, and credit to Joe Burrow for being as tough as he is but I don't know how you sustain that for 16 games. This was an interesting question from Carlos that came in. Uh, is cornerback not actually a strength on this team, given how it seems availability is an issue with the current ones on the roster? I think that's a fair question to ask. Uh, I, I think that is the big hurdle to seeing Miami's 
envisioned cornerback room of Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and Igbo, like these guys all materializing is obviously Byron Jones has the groin slash Achilles issue right now. Xavier Howard has had knee issues for the entirety of his time in the NFL thus far. Igbo is talented, but young. I think it. I think it's going to be the identity of this team in the long term. But if availability is going to be an issue, then Carlos, I think you bring up a reasonable question to to pose whether or not we can confidently say this is a strength of the team right now. Tyler with an NFL draft question, which you can be certain I'm always going to attack. Uh, which duo of players would be better for Miami: Jamar Chase and Dylan Moses, or Jalen Waddle and Micah Parsons? You could take either one would be in good shape. If the Dolphins want to stay true to their size dynamics at wide receiver, then let's let's do what we can to surround two with the best available talent. If the Dolphins don't care about the size and they care more about the explosiveness, then yeah, we should shift gears and we should take a look at Jalen Waddle and, and maybe Jalen Waddle is the answer because he's got chemistry with Tua and he's a different kind of he's got a different gear than what the Dolphins receivers currently do. That is going to do it for us today on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod. I always enjoy these opportunities to talk with you guys, get a feel and, and get a vibe on where you're at as Dolphins fans. Help kind of steer me in our conversations to a point in which they're going to be most productive and helpful to to you guys throughout the course of this season. And I, I certainly hope you will join us again tomorrow. we got three more shows this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We have Seahawks game on Sunday. I promise there will be no immediate post-game podcast this time around. But you'll definitely get one on Monday reacting to the game. So hit subscribe on the podcast, come back and see us. Thanks as always for listening and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.